hosting us all so extravagantly this weekend. You guys are just amazing. I think we just feel so at home here. So all the hosts that have looked after us and just, yeah, you're just so generous. So we just all feel so at home. So thank you so much. Um, okay, so I want to read you the words of a song to start with, um, which... I've been living with this song for the last couple of years, actually, and it keeps coming back to me. And I just really felt when we were um, thinking about what we should do this weekend with you guys, and uh, I felt I should do this. So I'm going to have glasses on, glasses off all the time, so just bear with me. So it says, um, I am no victim. I live with a vision. I'm covered by the force of love. Covered in my Saviour's blood. I am no orphan. I'm not a poor man. The kingdom's now become my own. And with the king, I have a home. He is my father. And I do not wonder if his plans for me are good. If he'll come through like he should. Because he is provision. And enough wisdom to usher in my brightest days. To turn my mourning into praise. I am who he says I am. And he is who he says he is. I am defined by his promises. And shaped by every word he says. He's not just reviving. He's not simply restoring. But greater things are yet to come. I love this song so much because it just says so much. It reminds me of who I am and what he's done. But it reminds me of what I'm not. And that's really what I want to talk about is actually our minds are being transformed. But that's if we let him. He doesn't come in and bowl us over and take over. This is a choice. It's all about choice. So Romans 12 and verse 2 says, and this is the New Living Translation, it says, Do not copy the behaviour and customs of the world, but let God transform you into the person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Do not be conformed to the things of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think this culture that we're living in actually gives us a victim mentality. It's a bit of a badge of honour if you're a victim. People get their identity from that. They want to be something. People want to be something. They want to be recognised for something. Now, I'm a midwife, and my husband's a police officer, or was, he's now retired. But it's like, that's not who I am, that's just something that I do. But it's very easy to take on what you do as who you are. But what happens when that finishes? Yeah. So Graham retired from the police uh, about four years ago. It's like, okay, who am I now? I'm not a police officer anymore. He's loved by God. He's chosen by God, and that's who his identity is in. That's who he is. 
Our jobs don't define who we are. So, what is a victim? A victim is somebody who's been harmed, injured, killed um, as a result of crime, an accident or other such things as a person that's been tricked or duped into something. A person who's come to feel helpless and passive in the face of misfortune or ill-treatment. You can grab hold of that victim mentality and think that's who you are. But actually, is the victim mentality about not taking responsibility? I'm not saying that actually if things have happened to you, that isn't awful, and the media just sort of grabs hold of it and makes it amazing news. But actually, is it about, do we take responsibility for how we're feeling? We can't ever change our circumstances, but we can change the way we think. I want to tell you about um, my son. So I've got four children, they're all grown up now. Um, and when he was 18, he was planning to go off to university and um, packed up his things one day, wrote us a letter and then turned around and said, actually, I don't want anything more to do with you. And he went off, he changed his mobile number, email address, all contact details and went. And as you can imagine, that was um, really, really difficult. Um, it felt like a bereavement that had no end. Um, and we didn't have contact with him for four years. And as a family, we had to choose what to do with that. Yes, it was incredibly, incredibly difficult. But we made a choice as a family that we were going to still keep praising God. We couldn't change what had happened, because that was the past. But we could change the way that we thought. The thing that tried to kill us was the shame. And part of that was where, where my heart was at that stage. Um, I think I probably found my identity in who I did and who I was. And so consequently, if that's then completely thrown, where does that leave you? And the enemy just comes in with, it's all your fault. It's all your fault. No. I'm going to choose to praise God in every circumstance. In every circumstance. That is the renewing of your mind. It's not necessarily easy, and I'm not suggesting that that time was, was easy at all, but it was a choice that we made, that we were going to pursue God when we couldn't change the circumstances. After that four years, we got a letter from him saying, I'm married, I've got a baby, and will you forgive me? Well, that just melted our hearts. God will come through. God will come through, because his plans for you are good. Always. Always. Okay, so, I would like you guys to join in with stuff, because I don't do this stuff on my own. So first of all, I'd like to suggest that in difficult circumstances we need to change our vision. So you might need some new glasses. Yeah. Maybe they're these. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're these. You can just put them on. 
new glasses will change the way you see things. And we want a heavenly perspective on what we're doing. Thank you, Glory, for taking the photo. That's lovely. <laughs> so, guys, if you could come and help me, uh, students, that would be lovely. So we've got some clouds here. So we've got clouds and we've got pens. What I would love you to do is to write on these clouds what you're hoping for. What you're hoping for. Because in that time that was so, so difficult for us, our hope was that actually he might one day return. That was a hope. If you don't have hope, the Bible talks about it in Proverbs, actually if you don't have hope, hope deferred makes you sick. And that doesn't just mean maybe in your mind, it can physically make you sick as well. And that is never what God intended. He is the hope. So write on your clouds what your hope is, what your dream is, what you are looking to. There are pens if you haven't got any... And we will come round. And actually, I've forgotten to give you something. I'm going to give you these as well. So guys, if you can come and get these. You are God's favourite. And therefore, you have a favour bag. You can chat with the person next to you if you want to make the same little dream together. That's not we all know who has the victory. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. We are covered by the force of love. Love is a powerful thing. We're going to take communion at the end. Because communion is so important. It's communicating with God. We are remembering what he's done for us. They're eating the chocolate at the back. Okay. So the next thing we're going to do, and I need some help from the students again as well, I'm going to give out some adoption certificates. Amen, amen. chosen us. He has chosen us. So what is an orphan? Am I standing in the wrong place? Shall I dance? Somebody without parents. I'd like to suggest that actually we all need spiritual parents as well, not just our Father in Heaven. I think we need spiritual parents here on earth. Now that might not necessarily be somebody that's older than you. Might just be somebody that knows just a little bit more than you about our Father God. I think, have you got spiritual parents? Have you got somebody that you can turn to that will help you in the transforming of your mind? Growing with God. Fill in your adoption certificate with your name and you're adopted by God.
And you might think this is a bit of a strange thing to do to be filling in these certificates. Has everybody got a certificate? Lovely, thank you. In Ephesians it says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. He chose us in Christ to be holy, without fault in his eyes. And he decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom. He showered us with kindness and with all wisdom and understanding. And in Colossians, Paul prays for for the uh, people in Colossia. We pray that you will be strengthened with all glorious power so you will have the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy always, thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people. So if we're adopted by God, what's our inheritance? Wow. A child of God has the right to hear God's voice. That is your right. To live in his goodness, to be loved by him, to be safe and secure, to have all your needs met. Now I was looking at various things and um, I came across this. And this is um, the rights of an orphan child. And this was the UN convention and they came up with this list of rights for an orphan child. I thought, oh that's quite interesting. And this was in 1989, so you know, 2,000 odd years past when the Bible was written. This is the list that they came up with. The right to live in a family environment. The right to a loving, stable and nurturing environment. The right to have health care and nutrition. The right to clean water, electrical power and safe environments. The right to equality education. The right to equal opportunities. The right to guidance from a caring adult. The right to be heard and participate in decisions that affect them. The right to be prepared for active and responsible citizenship. The right to be protected from abuse and neglect. The right to dignity and freedom. And the right to spiritual development. So I was reading through those, I thought, actually, that's quite an awesome list. And the verse that jumped into my mind was, in Matthew, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you good gifts if you ask? Our inheritance is even more than the UN decided was a basic need.
Okay, Ephesians 3, verse 16 to 20 says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And you may have power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is his love. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too difficult to understand. Then you will be made complete in all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or imagine. That is our inheritance. Not just basic need. That is God's generosity to us. That is God's generosity to us. That's quite some inheritance. Quite often inheritance, people have to wait for that until the person's died. Jesus has already died. It's our inheritance now. That is the inheritance he's given us. We don't have to wait until we get to heaven for all of this. This is for us now. This is for us now. He is our Father. And I do not wonder if he's got good plans for me. I know he's got good plans for me. In your little favour bag, there is a heart-shaped piece of map. What I'd like you to do is to write on that. He has good plans for me. In Jeremiah, it talks about, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for disaster. Plans to give you a future and a hope. There we are, we're back to hope again. We're back to hope. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. In that song it carries on about provision. So what do you need from God? What do you need from God? Do you need finance? Do you need healing? Do you need comfort? Do you need a new job? Do you need a new home? God's far bigger than our needs. He has the answer. On our communion tables, there's various things that you can come and get afterwards. There's coins, there's chocolate money. Sorry, back to chocolate again. Chocolate money. Those are for you to take hold of. They might seem like, okay, these are just sweets. Take hold of it and say, God, I need your finance. I need your provision. Take hold of it. There's little keys in pots on the table. Take that. Jesus is our key. He is the key to absolutely everything. He is the key to breakthrough. There's some sugar pearls, and you can't eat them. They're um, icing decorations. I thought, I want those pearls, because that's the wisdom. It talks about, um, if you need wisdom, ask God generously, and he will give it to you. Pearls of wisdom. Take those. That's what he's offering you. Okay, I think we've been sat down too long. Are you all happy to just stand up with me for a minute? Yes. I am loved by God. I am loved by God. I am his child. I am his child. I am no longer a slave. I am no longer a slave. 
but a child and an heir. But a child and an heir. I am a friend of Jesus. I am a friend of Jesus. I am chosen. Yeah. I am chosen. Holy and blameless before God. Holy and blameless before God. I am God's workmanship. I am God's workmanship. Created to produce good works. Created to produce good works. I have all my needs supplied by God. I have all my needs supplied by God. I have God's peace within me. I have God's peace within me. That's not a victim mentality. Those are declarations of hope. And a hope that we know. Not that's just in the future. This is for now. Lovely, if you want to sit down. Uh, guys, can I have you back again to give some more bits out? So, I am defined by all his promises and shaped by every word he says. There's some um, what looks like gingerbread cutout men coming round. Okay. And these are for writing God's promises on. Because actually, in the difficult times, we need to remind ourselves of what his promises are. Because the enemy will try to make you forget. So it's something that you have to physically work at to remind yourself of his promises. So I'm just going to quickly read you uh, some of the promises. There are so many promises in the Bible, and I would encourage you to go home and maybe just look at some. And if you don't think, oh, I don't know where to start, try Google. Google's very good. It gives you lists. And you can start there, and then you'll discover more. I'm not one for Google particularly, but it works. It works. So, he gives you strength. He gives strength to the weary. That is a promise. And that's in Isaiah. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Do not fear, for I am with you. Wow. That is quite an amazing one, isn't it? He is with us. He's with us always. He is always with us. Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That is a promise. Submit yourself to him, resist the devil, he will flee from you. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. These are promises. He doesn't go back on his words. Ask whatever you will in prayer, believe it, and you will receive it. It will be yours. Wow. That's a promise. That is a promise from God. We know that in all things, God works for good for those who love him. In that four years where Matthew wasn't with us, it was quite hard to see that this was a good time. It was quite hard to see that this was ever going to turn out with a good outcome, if you like. But how can this be restored? There is always restoration in Jesus. He will always bring it about. You know, the length of time, we don't know. But there is always hope. If God is for us, who can be against us? These are amazing lines in the Bible, aren't they? I think we skip over them because we know them so well. They are so powerful. Take hold of them. This is what defines you. This is your shape. This is what you look like. This is how we get rid of a victim mentality. So those are just a few, few little trinkets, treasures out of the Bible. 
I want to tell you about an encounter that I had with Jesus. Because those come directly from the Bible, but God speaks to us and gives us promises in different ways. Not just by reading the Bible. So I had this encounter with Jesus. I was actually, it was in my first year of doing um, the Eastgate School of Supernatural Life. <laughs> and we were asked to have this, right, we're going to sit down. So this was something that we, if you like, predetermined, right, so we're going to sit down and we are going to have an encounter with Jesus. And the lady that was leading us through said, I want you to imagine that you're going into a garden. I thought, oh, this sounds good. So in my mind, I'm already thinking, oh, yes, it'd be an old English country garden, brick walls, roses, oh, lovely, this is going to be great. But as I closed my eyes, that's not what I saw. What I saw was an old curiosity shop. I thought, oh, this is a bit different. This certainly isn't a garden. Okay, so I went into this shop, and it got a big bay window, and inside there were drawers and shelves covered in sequins and buttons and all the things I think are absolutely beautiful about sewing and making things. There was rolls of material, there were cotton threads, lace, ribbons. It was absolutely, I'm just silent, oh my God, this isn't a garden, but never mind, I don't care what they're doing in their gardens. This was lovely, so I'm looking around and opening some of the drawers and it's just lovely. And in the middle of this shop was a big, big table almost like a big butcher's block that had got lots of marks on it, a bit battered. Okay, well, I'll sit down. As I sat down at this table, Jesus came and sat next to me. And he's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, oh, well, shall we do some sewing? Does Jesus do sewing? (laughs) And do you know what he said to me? I love doing what you love doing. I can't tell you what a release that was for me. Because for me, creativity had been put in a tiny, tiny box. Busy mum, had a job. Creativity was that little tiny moment, maybe, once every month or something, of time that I could spend doing something creative. And it just released me into thinking, oh my goodness, Jesus loves doing this. Why am I not doing this more? This is what I love to do. Why am I not doing this more? This is what Jesus loves as well. And it has completely transformed the way I see creativity. Creativity for me now comes into a lot of stuff that I do. And you have experienced some of that over this weekend. Jesus is doing that for you as well. There is that thing that you love to do that he loves to do too. And that helps to define who you are. So we're shaped by his promises. That is a promise to me. That is a promise to me. And it has changed the way that I think. It's transforming my mind. And it helps me not to have a victim mentality. That I don't have enough time to do this. No, I do. Because this is what Jesus loves to do. That's what he loves to do with me. And so what we did, we sat in that shop... And we sewed sequins onto a veil. Now you don't find that in the Bible. But Jesus loves to what you want to do. I think it's actually Acts 29. That he loves to sit there. So there isn't an Acts 29 in your Bible. It's the next chapter. You are the next chapter. Okay? The next chapter has got your name written in it with what you love to do. So that's that all good. He's not just reviving us. He's not simply restoring us. 
there are greater things yet to come. If somebody were to fall down in the street and get resuscitated, that's great. But we don't want them just lying there. Okay, they're breathing. Their heart's beating again. We want them to be a full human being seeing their potential. And that's what Jesus wants for us. He's not just reviving us. He's not just restoring us. Greater things are yet to come. And that is completely from the Bible. It says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I've done. Now that's pretty awesome to start with because he did a lot of things that I've not done yet. I'd love to see somebody raised from the dead. I'd love to see people being healed immediately when I'm talking hey, hey. There's lots of things he did Amen. that I've not done yet. But it goes on, it says, Amen. and even greater works. So if he did that, he's saying we will do even more than that. Um, and he said this because he's going back to be with the Father. He says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son will bring glory to the Father. So it's not about glory for you, seeing somebody healed. This just brings glory to our Father. The one we're inheriting from. The one who's adopted us. In your bags, you should have a little fruit salad. Yes, more sweets. Some people have eaten them already. That's fine. I thought I could put fruit in there, but I, that would be a bit messy if you squashed a strawberry or whatever. I thought, actually, I don't know what fruit you're going to produce. So actually, corporately... We're an amazing fruit salad. Jamie's eaten his already. <laughs> we are an amazing fruit salad of greater things that are yet to come. Greater fruits. And he needs each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. We weren't made to be individual. We were made to do this together. Okay, so the greater things yet to come. I'm going to ask the students to come up because they've been practising some of their greater things yet to come and they've got some words of knowledge and so we're going to tell you those